This is In Search of Tracks podcast, and we're here to get to the point. I'm Pete. I'm Bob. What's up, Bob? I'm chilling. I like that uh, as we were pre, pre-production, pre uh, I described this record as distinctly not death metal, and I think that is apropos. <laughs> How you feeling? true. How are you feeling today? I'm doing good. I'm all right. I can't complain. Good day. I'm, I'm good, too. I'm feeling good. Feeling really good. Had a had like a light-ish dinner, um, which I recommend sometimes on our, our Perfect Balance podcast. Um, <laughs> no, this is In Search of Tracks. Uh, thank you, all you track searchers out there. Um, searchers of the tracks, we could call you. Uh, if you aren't following us on social media, you should do so at... At TracksPod on Instagram and Twitter. And you know we love your emails. We've gotten them. We actually got a big grip after our last episode, so thank you for that. Uh, you can email us at trackspod at gmail.com getting that housekeeping out of the way pete what are we talking about today so we're going to talk about tom petty's album wildflowers um this was a or actually tom petty was recommended to us a few weeks ago on our mailbag episode and there are a lot of tom petty records to choose from a lot however quick fact did you know this is Tom Petty's only his second solo album? I did, but only because I did homework for this episode. No, good, good homework. So yeah. <laughs> a lot of people people should know there is a difference between Tom Petty and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, if you use streaming services, you may know that or you may not. And you might be like, where's this record? Well, it's probably on the other thing. So um, be careful to look for both. Pete. In your estimation, is there much difference between a Tom Petty solo album and a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers record? No. No, Not really. Not Not too much. Not too much. We'll get in some nitty-gritty. I think uh, the sound is more evolved. Yes. Yes, for a lot of reasons. Um, Let's start with a little bit of background. Um, Do we need to introduce Tom Petty to the audience? I don't feel like we do. Um... But if we do, um, he's a guy that's been writing music since, what, the 1970s. Yep. Um, Put out a ton of records. He has, I mean, this is called In Search of Tracks podcast. If we were In Search of Tracks truly, we could just go down the list of Tom Petty hits because he has plenty. Tracks on tracks on tracks. Tracks on tracks on tracks. So, um, yeah, written a ton of records. This was his second solo album, I think, after Full Moon Fever. Yep. Um, yep. Which came a few years prior. And yeah, that's the deal. Is there anything that we should specifically talk about with Tom Petty, do you think? Yeah. Um, yeah. The um, uh, If you're not familiar with Tom Petty, work on it. Um, <laughs> I would say this. Has a huge amount of songs you already know if you don't know that they're by Tom Petty, even if you're on the much younger side of our audience, which we have heard from, which is kind of cool. You know some Tom Petty songs, but you might not know his albums. And I will say that Tom Petty, as well as Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, um, write some banging albums uh, and some of the deep cuts really, really hit. So why don't we start off, Pete, by, as we often do, talking about your personal experience and when, how you got into Tom Petty and if you had heard or were familiar with this record before. So Tom Petty, I grew up, you know, born in 84, 
listen to music, started getting actively interested in music, I guess, in the 90s. Um, Tom Petty had hits in the 90s. Yep. And I knew those hits, and I liked those hits, but I never really went after it like that. Um, I didn't buy any of his records. I wasn't all that interested. But, you know, if he came on the radio, I was I was into it. Um, honestly, it was not until like way later when I was in college um, and maybe even after I graduated mm-hmm. that a friend introduced me to, I think it's his third solo album called Highway Companion. Yes. Okay. And I didn't love the whole album, but the the tracks on it were so great. Um, and it just, it was on regular rotation for me. And I then just kind of did my, you know, deep dive from there and started going through his classic records, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, but, you know, also his solo material. Mm-hmm. And had mixed feelings, honestly, on the whole thing. I mean, like, like yeah. I, I, I love a lot of the songs, but he, he's never been one of my favorites. Um, but at the same time, like I understand the appeal and it's one of those things where it, he's one of those guys where I've always wanted to like him more than I do. Oh, okay. Sure. sure. Um, and I saw, I was fortunate enough to see him, um, in Queens, um, before he passed, I think it was like the last tour he did. Yeah, which I um, heard that that set of shows was awesome. It was unbelievable. And it yeah. really like he was so great and just the vibe was so great. Although I'll say that and maybe this is a hot take. Tom Petty fans in Queens are worse than Bruce Springsteen fans <gasps> in New Jersey. Really? Yeah, like rough. A rough really? group, Bob. Wow, that's so fascinating. All that being said, um, I'm a fan, but like I want to be, I almost like I want to be a bigger fan. Mm. But for, but for some reason a lot of his records just don't hit me the way that I guess they hit a lot of people. Okay. But this record in particular, I've listened to it a few times. I wasn't super familiar. Um going back to it, I I definitely, you know, I mean there are a ton of singles on this record, so I definitely knew a lot of it going in. Yeah. But uh but yeah, that's that's kind of the the nutshell. So um, let me go into my uh, really deep bag is that um, the first cassette I ever purchased was uh, MC Hammer Too Legit to Quit. <laughs> awesome. I think it was the new. It was still new, so you know. Um, but the second cassette I ever bought was and I think I bought it at Strawberries Music in Latham, New York, was a uh, Southern Out Accents, uh, which is Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers album from '85. Has the song "Don't Come Around Here No More," which mm-hmm. I knew and loved. Do you know this song at all? I do. Really weird song. Yeah. Uh, but you know, um, that's sort of established. I like some, I like some kind of weird stuff sometimes <laughs> as, as weird as Tom Petty can be. Let me pull back <laughs> and not be like, dude, I, I do a weird yeah. thing. Sometimes I put ketchup on my hamburger. I'm crazy. Yeah, no, Tom, um, or Tom Petty's yeah. weird ambient era or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. so, so I didn't know, but it was co-written by Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics, which then it's like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, okay. Um, 
that record, the rest of that record does not, does not sound like don't, don't come around here no more. No. Um, not a bait and switch, but a little different. So I had Tracks, that taste. Though. Southern Excess is a great song. Great song. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple other really good songs on the record um and a couple misses by the way but um i like that record a lot uh maybe mostly because of nostalgia at this point but sure I do like it fast forward um i think he had a really popular like best of in the early 90s and he kind of saw a huge kind of uptick in interest for my birthday in 1995, I got the playback box set, um, which was released like two weeks before my birthday. So now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, my dad probably was really struggling for what to buy me and just grab this for me. So that's a good, good purchase. But this was a six-disc box set. And I swear to you, I played it so, so much. And so... There's a lot of the big album tracks, but it also, this is the era, so people know, this is in the era where a box set of CDs was seen as like, oh, this is like, this is a full collection. You can just have so much music. So there's some like deep cuts. The last two discs are a bunch of deep cuts and weird stuff that I really enjoyed. Um, but there's also like an extended version of the greatest hits, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so you get... You know, it's it's a lot of material, but I loved it. And this was one of the first things, like, as I was getting more into music, um, I, I just loved it. So I'm a, I'm in the pocket for this band, for Tom Petty. I do love him. Uh, always been one of my favorite artists. I never went to see him. I took it for granted. Um, I had an opportunity to see him at the Hollywood Bowl, like, a long time ago, maybe mid-2000s. Oh, man. I didn't go. I really regret that. Um, because despite the fact Tom Petty's from Florida, I sort of associate that dude with LA and California. He's just got that energy, sure. you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I am sad. I never went and saw him. Uh, people have told me that last tour was awesome and magical, but I just never knew it was going to be the last tour. You know, I was so I was always like, this guy's going to keep going forever. You know, you never do. You know, it would be a good podcast exercise. Let's, let's, let, let's think about, bands that are still touring <clears throat> that uh we've never seen that would be fun to see and if they come around we'll do a oh yeah we gotta go see it and yeah, check it off i we'll like do, that a we'll, lot we'll do a, we'll do a pot about it so um so that is to say that i bought wildflowers when it came out and um am familiar with it enough that i know every song on the record even every lyric to the whole record, even if there's songs I don't like. So this actually wow. had before I got this before the box set, but I played it like, like constantly. Like I, I really like this record. So I think I actually went a little bit of a binge with it a year or so ago. It was like revisiting. Okay. But for this exercise, I tried to give it the most objective ears I possibly could. And I will cop when I couldn't be objective at all. So uh, <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it. To me, this is a fun one to talk about because it captures Tom Petty at sort of a weird point in both his career and life, I think. Yeah. He's clearly, you know, like <sighs> there's an easy way to frame this and say this was in the moment he seemed like this was 
he was on the tail end of his career. As it turned out, it ended up being a new peak. Yeah. But it really felt like, well, Tom Petty was, he did really well, you know, damn the torpedoes and all that. Um, he was really, he had his run and now it's over. But it was like, no, no, no. This like cemented his legacy. Um, so we can talk more about that too. As we yeah. Go and I, th- I mean, I think there was a lot going on in his personal life. He was like going through a divorce at the time. Mm-hmm. I know that he was having issues with the Heartbreakers drummer, Stan Lynch. Yes. Um, and, you know, that kind of plays into the lore around this record. Um, so, yeah, it, it seems like it was definitely a transitionary period. And you can kind of feel that, too, in the record. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I am excited to talk about this. Um, before we get started, uh, how do I put this? Let's see. We usually ask these questions at the end. I want to flip it and ask it at the beginning just to give context and we can revisit. Okay. Does this record exist in a time and place or is it timeless? Uh, it feels somewhat timeless to me. Okay. Oh, I'm asking you and then you can ask me on the B side. Is this record too long? It's a little long. Okay. How does the album flow? Overall, it flows pretty well. Um, it's uh, there. I mean, I'm going to give away a little bit, but there's 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 a few tracks that I feel like could have fit better or just don't really fit the feeling of this album. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I would, but they're not bad songs. I think no, I would they just, just don't I, fit the I, 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 Yeah, I would just put those in other places. Yes. Um, I, th- I think if there was like a Wildflowers Part 2 or like, you know, his next solo record that came a few years after, he could have mm-hmm. put them on that. But yeah. Quality of the songs and lyrics, memorable songs? Like 1,000%. Okay. These, are, okay. these are high quality tunes. Presentation, artwork, good? I love the artwork. Me too. I think All it right. fits the vibe. All right. Any other high-level takeaways on this record before we jump into the tracks? Um, I think going back to what you mentioned about, is this a Heartbreakers album or is there a difference between solo records and Heartbreakers records? Um, It's just an interesting note that I think every member of the Heartbreakers played on this except for Stan Lynch, the drummer. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, (laughs) And Steve Ferrone, who uh, was ultimately his replacement, not only for this album, but within the Heartbreakers, um, did play on this record. So, yes. And um, yeah. I think it was interesting the cast of characters who he chose to play on drums in place, uh, including Ringo Starr. Yeah, right. <laughs> a couple right, tracks. Right, right. It's like, oh, okay. Like, oh, I'm not going to have you play. I'm, I'm going to get all these different folks. So, yeah. Um, pretty interesting. All right. So, um, and real quick, I think, yes. I think just to go into, I have you, have you, so in preparation for this, I watched um, a documentary that, was put out by YouTube about um, this album in particular that came out, I think at the end of last year called uh, somewhere you feel free. Oh, I did not watch that yet. I heard it's awesome. It is awesome. Um, And it gave me a little insight into all of this that I'll, I'll talk about throughout the episode. But one of the things was 
I guess the one of the reasons that he decided to do this as a solo record was just because he was tired. He didn't want it to be a democratic process, essentially. Yes. He wanted to just be able to write his songs and, you know, record them as he saw fit without yes. any sort of debate about, you know, parts or how it should be done or whatever. Um, and I think that's really interesting, you know, like, it's it's something that I feel like a lot of these guys, particularly of that kind of era, come back to. Like, I don't know if you read Bruce Springsteen's book, but he talks a lot about that, where it's like, you know, the reason that it was Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band is because I knew at the end of the day, it was not a democracy and I write the songs, right. you know? Um, and I think that there's something to that, honestly. If you're, if you're a songwriter and you have kind of proven your metal over the years, then maybe you have the right to do that in for the sake of the song in a way. Right. So no, I I'm full on with that. I think that's hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, I thought that was interesting. Although I, I did think it was particularly interesting that he like did that, but then invited his entire band along, like, like except for the drummer. And in that respect, it makes me feel like it was, a weird way of kicking the drummer out, which like, you know, we don't have, we, we don't have to go into too deeply, but it's just no. like, it's funny. You know? No, I, I mean, so, so to speak to that as a listener and with the limited knowledge, I go, look, there's elements of this record that feel highly personal. And again, said truly lovingly indulgent in that way that you say like, Look, it's raw, it's emotional. There's some choices on here that I think we're we're clearly like, this is the way I want to do this song. In the presence of bandmates, you can invite them to play on your song, and that might be different than when we're writing a record together, right? Right. I feel <clears throat> like this record has two main factors behind it. One uh, is obviously Tom Petty. And the second, a distant second, but I think important to note is Rick Rubin. Yep. And I think his that production next mention. his production on this record is really relevant, important, and you can feel it. And it's um look, I'm not gonna sit here and be some like Rick Rubin stan. I, I think he's done some pretty interesting stuff and cool stuff and also stuff that I'm like, eh, I don't know, whatever. It's cool, but um uh, but I think what he did on this record is really impressive because what they were able to create together was something that to me is timeless, but also defining in a looking back at it way. Like I think this is one of the best records of the nineties and it's not close. And it's also definitive in a way that you wouldn't immediately say like, look, Nirvana, never mind. Okay, cool. Like there's records that that are like, okay, yeah, this is a record that's definitive and it's of the time, you know, Weezer yeah. blue album. How? Oh, yeah. You know, like how could you not mention that with the nineties? but like this record didn't feel like that. It's an artist who is much further into his career and frankly, his life than many other um, artists with, you know, defining records of the time period. But um, I think Rick Rubin's influence helped put it to that place. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. And I, I, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but I'm, 
I would be curious at some point, maybe in a mailbag episode, we can talk more about Rick Rubin. Yeah. Cause I, I have like, I, I not even bad feelings against like he's produced great records. I just, I have such a, I I'm trying, I've been trying to figure the guy out for like 10 years, 15 years now. Like, does his presence make a difference? I think his presence definitely makes a difference on the records that he's produced, but I just don't know exactly what he does. I don't know what that energy is. <laughs> Yo, it's like, cause it's he doesn't, he doesn't play instruments. No, he's just like, he's just this force in the room that like somehow manages to somehow make a difference. No, I think we can talk about it specifically to this record, but I agree. And I think we're in a pretty similar place with our respective, position and views on on rick rubin which yeah. are like man he's been involved with some pretty awesome stuff and then stuff i'm like whatever do i think he's fully deserving of being one of like five producers that more than deep cut diehards can name you know what i mean like i don't know if i want to give him that but then i hear this look record, at his credentials yeah i look at his credentials i listen to this record in that deep way and go yeah, listen to this next to Full Moon Fever. Listen to this next to you know the more recent Heartbreaker albums. Yeah, there is a difference. So, yeah. anyways, um, last note on that: the one of the one of the interesting things in this documentary too. Apparently, Rick Rubin was really interested in producing Tom Petty for a while. Mm. Um, I guess he really really liked Full Moon Fever when it came out. He yeah. listened to that uh-huh. a lot, and which has hits. Like un, undeniable, unbelievable hits for sure. Um, and apparently, Tom Petty's management got back to him and was just like, "Jeff Lynn produces Tom Petty." Period. End of story. There's no chance that you will ever produce him. Thanks for getting in contact with us. And then a few years later, I guess Tom Petty like reached out to Rick Rubin and was like, "Hey, let's do this record." So interesting kind of story there. Yeah, I I think that that's uh, a good lesson in uh, try new things, people. Sometimes they work out. Yeah. So with that, let's go in because I, I think we got a lot to say on this record. Um, first song on Tom Petty Wildflowers. This is the title track of our new album, Wildflowers. It is also called Wildflowers. <laughs> This song is great. It's a it's a great opener. It's a great song. It sends it sets a kind of like a wonderful tone for the whole thing. Yes. Um, just really like talking about production choices. It's like essentially it's an acoustic song. Yep. 
with Tom Petty playing, but there's like all of these really tasteful flourishes throughout. Yes. That make it so fun to listen to. Um, it's really great. good headphones listen. It's, it's really it's good great, headphones. Yeah, listen. yeah, for sure. definitely a headphones listen. But it's a great song. I mean, I think the lyrics are beautiful. Um, yeah. It's really nice. I like it a lot. Yeah, I I said this is like a gentle song. Um, one of my favorite things that you hear if you've listened to more than five of these episodes, you've heard me say this before. This is a content meets form song, um, where the content of what he's singing about yeah. the lyrical content matches the sound. Uh, which is something that Tom Petty kind of excels at, which I would cite uh, into the great wide open or Southern accents mm-hmm. uh, as records. Like um, they fit. Um, there's sort of this light and airy feel. Um, this song though, sonically is not totally indicative of the rest of the record, despite the fact that it sets a tone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a lot of different sounds on this record and they're not all this light acoustic kind of open air sound. No, you're right. But he, but he goes back to it. You know, he I, certainly, I, I, he keeps I, it I feel as like the it's theme. like a recurring theme. Yeah. This is the, um, sometimes I talk about the spine of a record or the backbone. This is the, this is the, uh, this is the brain of it. This is the, this is the central nervous system. Um, <laughs> It's it's sparse, but still feels like a big room. You know what I mean? Uh, the instrumentation and the layers are added as you move through the song, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And you start to pick up on it because it really does feel like one dude sitting down and, and starting to play. And then more, more flourishment joins him as you go through the song, um, which is kind of awesome. So, yeah. Awesome, awesome opening track sets the tone. You can't ask for much more from an opening track than to do that. No. You don't know how it feels. So this is one of those songs that you've probably heard. Um, I've heard this song a million times. But that being said, it's one of those songs I've heard a million times that I still like. And I most likely will not turn off if it's on. So... um, Although I gotta say I hate the roll another joint line. Yeah, it just so feels much. it feels weird and forced. Yeah, yeah, I hate it. Um, I wonder if the weird radio edit um, impacts my distaste for it because the radio edit of it that they would play if you were listening in the nineties on the radio was in a roll another. It's like <laughs> it's like they just jumbled the word like yeah. as if they were blurring the text, but they just did that to the vocal track. Um, we've come so far that we don't, we, we don't have to censor joint now. So I, I guess that's a <laughs> progress. Humanity. Progress, I guess. <laughs> um, I think this song is really good. It's the single, right? This is the first single off the record. Yeah. Super catchy. Um, it's awesome. It's weird too, like lyrically to have a song. You don't know how it feels. Like, I think this is where you start to feel like, Lyrically, Petty is being raw and emotional in a way that he is on many of his other songs, but in sort of a different tone um, that I think you catch really, really hard. And and I also said that this song now, in hindsight, feels very nineties, but yeah. in the moment, I didn't, I didn't know it. I didn't know it then, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I I, I think the importance of this record 
seems like it transcends the nineties at this point, but yeah, this, this feels very nineties to me, um, regarding the, so two things to say, but regarding the lyrics, yes, the first thing I'm, and I'm going to read you verbatim what I wrote here, please. Some of the lyrics are so good, but at the same time, the whole thing could be understood as this theme song for it being a self-centered, unempathetic weirdo. Yes. Right. Like, like it's just, it's, it's like, I get what Tom Petty was saying from his vantage point at that point in his life, but like everyone else singing along to this song and like rolling joints, it's like not great. Probably. It's really odd in the meta way that um, (laughs) too personal of a lyrical content can be where it's like, I'm too alone uh to feel proud you know what i mean like um yeah like i'm too alone to be proud like it's like brah you're playing in front of stadiums of you know twenty five thousand people but it's like oh, okay cool um there is some like uh cognitive dissonance between like how folksy this is and where this dude is at his life but it feels honest too in a weird way. Yeah, you know? and, like, and that's the that's the thing that like <sighs> I honestly appreciate exactly what you said. Like there is a self-centered nature to this record. Like it is very self-involved lyrically. Like Yeah, I mean a- and any record that is self-involved is inherently self-centered, right? right so it's, it's, right. Not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Not it's a just, bad thing. It's, it's just, just like like when you when you have people singing along to this, I just I feel like sometimes like it might not even they might not I don't know. It it might not be the best thing. Yeah, I I This song plays it well because it's this weird you don't know how it feels. And then the idea of audience is that they're applying to themselves. And like, I certainly did, you know, yeah, as of a course, everyone's a, yeah, 12 right. year old, um, you know, of course. like, like, and I, I think, I think I appreciate how unapologetic it is in this inward look at himself. Yeah. Which is both honest and kind of, there's a, there's an element of being, brash and and uh confident in a way but also like understanding like hey sometimes things don't feel good and you know there's there's different moments on this record where it feels like he's almost trying to give himself a pep talk yeah and like hey things are you're gonna make it through this and how how does it feel and like and there's an awareness of him his self-awareness you know so yeah and 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 kind of going off of all of that like if you're in a crowd of people who are all singing, you don't know how it feels by (laughs) virtue of everyone singing that you all kind of know how it feels, right? Like that is the unifying factor there. So right. in in that way, it's really nice actually. Um, It just, I guess depends on the context. Well, Pete, as we've talked about many times on uh, in search of psychoanalysis, um, (laughs) the, underlying human condition of feeling alone is one that is shared by almost everyone and certainly by anyone with two cents to rub together in their brain so absolutely um, especially nowadays we're all Um, so miserably lonely um all right (laughs) last last thing on this real quick is is, again comes from the documentary i watched um 
but I thought it was like a really interesting point that Rick Rubin actually mentions, you know, the fact that I came from a background of producing hip hop records, mm-hmm. I think helped me with Tom Petty because they never really had that, like that sense of rhythm that I had from hip hop. And it's something that when, when I heard him say that, and then I listened to this song in particular, for whatever reason, mm. I really thought about it because like, yeah, it's kind of a straight rock and roll beat, but it also just like, it has almost this like, like mechanical, just like, Oh yeah. Like boom, boom, super sh- solid backbeat, boom, you know? Sh- yeah. Boom. And it like, it really, really like, yep. It really works for this song in particular. So I think I could play drums on this song actually. So no, I don't really, but you know. Yeah. I mean it's simple <laughs> it's it's but it's simple enough, but it's like yeah. it's just so it's it's so effective. It's so effective. That's 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 one piece of this record that I think is uh look, this record gets celebrated quite a bit. The simplicity of some of it is what makes this record so, so good. And and Tom Petty in general. He's he's uh, complicated in the most simple of ways. Yeah. Time to move on. This is a highlight for me. Yep. Um, might be my second favorite song on the record. My quote was best song here, question mark. It's right there. There's yeah. two or three songs where I have that as the quote. I mean, they're like, the, and the highlights on this record are like transcendent, like, transcendent. Like, they're like this song great, is great. This great song songs. is like unbelievable on eight different levels. I, I referred to it as, um, like, is this postmodern folk rock? Like Americana underpinnings with Rick Rubin production. Like, yeah, there's this orchestral stuff on low levels going on in the background. It's completely driven by petty and his personality and his vocals like the movement like some of the lyrical content like broken skyland which way to loveland which way to something better which way to forgiveness which way do i go oh my god it's just like <laughs> like that's so good that just segment it's yeah like it's affecting in this really deep way that i felt when i first heard it and when i listen to it now i'm like yeah it still hits yeah yeah i mean i i think that the only th- note that I had really was like, and and actually, they've done kind of the full reissue treatment of this at this point. Yeah, um, like a so, deluxe triple. Yeah, so I know that there's like probably eight different versions of this song that I haven't listened to, but in my head, there's a version without the kind of fast backbeat on it mm-hmm. because I I would love like a like all of the big sounds behind him. Oh, but without the drums, forward. Yeah. I think it would be really, really like spacious and, and cool. <laughs> Good point. Uh, we might need to do some digging around, see if anybody's done that. I bet some crazy person I'm, has. No, well, I mean, I bet it's like one of the versions, one of the demos he did, you know, that's yeah, like on the right. reissue probably. Yeah. So. so, yeah, time to move on. Just like Great song. Un- undeniable track. Undeniable. Um, you wreck me. Too long. Oh, 
Um, I love this song. Yeah, um, yeah. This is this is like classic petty. Yeah, like this, I said this is the most heartbreakers hit song friendly. Exactly, it's, it's, it's familiar right away when you listen to it. Exactly. Um, I I don't love the transition. So like where it falls in the record, I don't mm. love that. But that being said, I think like the energy is so good on this. It's like it sounds like it could be on Damn the Torpedoes. It's yep. like yep. it's 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 them kind of just winking and being like yeah like we're still that band yeah we can still bring it to you i will say this i like where they drop it on the record because i just think they hadn't done this track yet they hadn't shown that kind of like get up and go tempo moving song um and if they had gone from time to move on into it's good to be king it's just a little heavy you know, it's a little too too weighty, I think. Whereas you wreck me kind of gives a, a little reprieve. Okay. So I Fair think enough. it's a reprieve. And and let me be clear, it's good to be king, another highlight for me. So um, yeah. I I like the heavy. Um but uh but yeah, I, I you wreck me rocking song. It's fun. You're gonna you're gonna get moving to this one. It's great. Yep. So it's good to be king, you're a fan. Yeah, so this is where I lose all objectivity. Um, <laughs> like, I love this song and the record in uh, what I would consider a pretty unreasonable way. Okay. Um, I just think that the chorus is sore. Um, I feel like there's lines on here that resonate with me on this oddly personal way. Um, and the, like touch of melancholy in the tone and orchestral behind it really helps um, because he's saying these things and it's like it's good to be king it's good to be king have your own way feeling peace in the day like but it, he also isn't saying these things in a way that feels joyous right yeah There's this like dark feeling behind it that I, I really appreciate and you know um I don't know. I, I, it resonates with me. It's 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 not my favorite song on this record, only because there's songs like "Time to Move On" that are just as good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah love this. Yeah, song. I mean, this is another one that I've heard a million times. Um, I believe this was a single, right? Yeah, I believe this yeah. was like the third or fourth single released off this record. Yeah, there were I'll a few singles. I, I think there was up. four. You don't know how it feels. You wreck me. It's good to be king and a higher place were the singles. Oh yeah, right. Um, so yeah, this is one of the singles I've definitely heard it a million times. I, but that being said, it's another one where I'm, I'm good with it. I like this song a lot. Um, I think I, I'm of two minds on this, right? Like I can totally get down with just like a sad bastard album. Yeah. So, if, so if he had yes. kept it <laughs> to just those songs, I would be all in and honestly I might be more in. Um but I totally oh, get yeah. the need for, you know, varying it and that's probably the better decision ultimately. Um but I really like the song. I never really get tired of it. It's interesting you say that about it being a full sad bastard album. I wonder <sighs> cuz it feels like I don't know. Is it 30% of the album feels like full on like drags like, man, things are not looking well for your boy Tom here. Um, (laughs) 
And I think that he, there was a part of him that wanted to write that record and another part of him that couldn't write that record. If that makes sense. And yeah. I, you know, me and Tom Petty, close personal friends. No, no, no. I'm just saying from a listener's <laughs> perspective, he has dark moments on many of the records, but this, this record feels really raw. Um, and I, I mean, intentionally so, but even with that, he needed to have some of the more lighthearted that he needed the, you wreck me. He needed the honey bee. He needed a few of these cabin down belows to pull it up. And we'll, we'll talk about feelings on those specific songs later, but, um, yeah, uh, the song high point for me though, it might've been a low point for, for Mr. Petty. Yeah. Only a broken heart. Um, so this is what I'm talking about with sad bastard music. Like if, if the whole record was composed of records like, or songs like this, I would be totally in. I, I love this song. I think it's great. Um, and this is, this is like, I, dude, I think I like this version of Tom Petty more than like the big rock version of Tom Petty, honestly. Oh yeah. Um, yeah i mean so for me i appreciate both i don't know if i like one more than the other it just feels more emotionally uh honest about where he is in his life and and his age with this record like it just Mm -hmm. felt so apropos and if he had tried to rewrite damn the torpedoes like a song like you wreck me shows like yo we still got it like i can still go and i can go hard in the paint and give you this track yeah. But if I just wrote an album like this, it wouldn't be honest, like emotionally honest. And that's why, um, yeah, like like to me, maybe I was hitting at this on a more spiritual feeling because this song always kind of reminded me of one of the, like, a track you'd find on one of the early Paul McCartney solo albums. I was going to, that's funny you say that. I To me, this is like one of those songs that might be in the mix on the White Album. Right, right. Yeah, like yeah. like it's sort of obviously This is really Beatles-esque this song. Yes. No, I, I think so. It's simple. It's um couple of really cool catchy vocal pieces. Um yeah, I enjoy it. It's a fun it's 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 a good song and it shows Petty kind of um channeling that. And and for people who aren't familiar with this dude's catalog as a whole like once he gets into this world, you can tell that Tom Petty was siphoning Bob Dylan, of course, and the Beatles, like at a high yeah. level. Like that's that's where you find a like Venn diagram. He's right in that cross section between Bob Dylan <laughs> and the Beatles. That's Tom Petty right there. Yeah. Um, so no, yeah. Again, this is a little bit content-wise, like sad bastard music, but musically a lot more like pretty and this is if there was an ep wildflowers and only a broken heart would be on it together for sonic uh resonance yeah and i think i'm gonna keep going back to this documentary i'm sorry but no, it, the, there were just a I lot know of some of the documentation on this stuff is awesome so it's really great and like and there's a moment where and this is where i'm pro rick rubin um he was talking about how on this record, he was trying to get away from the, like, basically if you layer enough guitars on top of each other, it just becomes this bed of guitars where you're like, Oh, that sounds like guitar. You know, it's like, it's like an idea of guitar that isn't actually guitar because it's, it's so layered. 
Mm-hmm. And yep. he's like, on, on this record, we, I actually wanted you to get the sense that there was a man in a room strumming a guitar and like, this is how he played. Yeah. Um, and I really feel like that was accomplished because like, it's so airy. Like you can really yes. just feel the guy like strumming the guitar on these songs. Yeah, you know, so there's there's a feeling, and I think that is one of the things that Ruben's uh, production does really well, and and makes this record feel so personal and intimate. Is this song? I think Wildflowers, a few others, really feel like it's one guy on a stage in a giant auditorium it's empty but all of a sudden they flash the you know the house lights on him and he's playing and it's just beautiful it's it sounds great um and it also you know like some of the more orchestral stuff and arrangement things like that are added add so much to the depth and tone that if i'm being real you don't find on full moon fever you don't find on any of the heartbreakers material before this yeah you know, and it's this or maybe after I, um, no, you don't, um, you get some of the personality in stuff like she's the one the she's the one soundtrack that followed. This was pretty cool. It was sort of like a real flip side of the coin to this record. Uh, and I would be happy to go into that record at some point because it surprised me. Like I was shocked at it. Like just the, um, the uh let's see um the growth from uh it's the flower that blooms in a graveyard type thing it's like (laughs) oh this is like this real hopeful and nice thing that came out after wildflowers and i didn't know it was coming out because that's the way music was in the 90s necessarily right it, it was just it had a lot more hopefulness to it um but can completed some of the energy Sonically was not the same as this record, but had some of those elements where it was like, ooh, this Rick Rubin guy's got his... He's on something. That's cool. Um, Okay, so then we get into the song Honey Bee. Don't tell your mom, don't tell your sister, don't tell your boyfriend, little honey bee. She liked to call me King Bee. So I have a few feelings of this song. Yes, you go in. I'm so curious to see what you think of this one. The big picture feeling is this song has too much balls for this record. Yeah. Like it it just doesn't, (laughs) it just doesn't seem to really fit. Like this is like a whole lot of attitude. This is like stadium rock riffs. And I, I just don't know that it fits on the album. I I don't even dislike the song. Um, I think it's I think it's pretty cool. It's not one of my favorites. Um, I'm sure it kicks ass live, but it it almost just it it almost sounds like dudes that have been playing rock and roll like turning their amps up and being like, 
how's this riff? This is sick, right? Like, let's ride on this. Yeah. Like it's, it's cool at the same time. Um, it's the, dude, the riff. I don't know how familiar you are with, uh, John Lennon's solo material, but he did a song Bits called I, I found out and it's the riff sounds exactly the same to me. Um, really interesting. So, so that to me was interesting too, but like, um, it's listen, it's a cool song. I just, I feel like it could have been like a B side for this album. And it would have been cool because I just, I don't feel like it. It's, it's the one song that more than any other, like big rock song, I just feel like doesn't really fit on the album. Yeah, it doesn't fit. It's got like this, uh, like a bluesy bar rock feel. Like it's, it's not, bar rock's not there. It's just this big bluesy guitar riff, you know? Yeah. Um, huge huge attitude i love the vocal build-up part it's about a minute 30 in um repeats it's a little bit longer um than some of the songs on this record like in the context of the record i really like it but you're you're not wrong it doesn't fit the overall vibe of the record itself and I don't know if I'd put it on by itself other than to hear that vocal part, you know, because I think he really does a lot there and it's so filled with attitude. Yeah. Maybe this is the Tom Petty record he never got to do that he wanted to do. That was this kind of just like gritty kind of bluesy solo indulgent. But that's part of when I said like, this record makes sense to me that it was a Tom Petty solo record because there's indulgences. This was purely an indulgence. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And that's 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 what I keep having to bring myself back to is like maybe this was just him, just like you said. I mean, doing the things that he wouldn't have otherwise done had it been like a more democratic process. You know, um, maybe maybe this is something that he tried to do and was outvoted ten times over, and then was finally just like, you know what, fuck it, this goes on wildflowers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I think, yeah, there's a certain appeal to it. Um, you know, speaking on John Lennon, quick sidebar: How familiar are you with his record Milk and Honey? Not at all. Okay, it's the posthumous. It came out. It's the first posthumous record. It came out in '84. Most of it was recorded um, in the months leading to his death. Yeah, and like I, th- I think it's in my record collection, but yo, I've never listened to it. My, a couple, it's my wife's record, dude. The track "Nobody Told Me" is one of my. It's in my top five oh, wow. favorite John Lennon songs. Interesting. It's awesome. It's just such a good song. Like it's so good, and there's some other interesting stuff on there. It's it's like an interesting listen. It's uh, obviously a little sad in context, but anyways, um, we, we should put it on our list to do at some point down the line. I really want to, I actually revisited some John Lennon recently. I would love to do one of those albums because I have a lot of feelings. Let's do it. Lots of feelings are good. Don't Don't fade fade on on me. me. Um, This one's a brooding quiet song. I said, it's kind of a beautiful love letter to a friend. Mm. Like um, weirdly affecting. It's feels really, really personal. Um, Again, I think this is the, where Ruben's production shines. Yeah. Some of the just like hyper focus on the dun, 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 dun. the sound is just it's kind of eerie in this very singular way. So uh when these weird brooding quiet songs feel intimate, they land. 
Yeah. When weird, quiet, brooding songs don't feel intimate, don't feel raw, don't feel personal, it feels like a stretch. This one 100% lands. No, I like this one a lot. And I feel like I feel like it feeds back to the ultimate. I mean, you were talking about the spine of the album, Wildflowers. Yeah. I feel yeah. like this like feeds back to that. Yeah, I think um, so too. It's one of the more subdued songs on the album, but it's really nice. The production really shines. Yeah, I think it's great. All right, Cabin Down Below. Did we skip Hard On Me? Oh, we skipped on our Hard On Me. Yes, we shouldn't skip Hard On Me. We can skip Cabin Down Below if you want, but um, Hard <laughs> On Me. Uh, yeah, start us in on Hard On Me. Um, I feel like this is as hard as this record should rock. In my ideal Wildflowers version, like it really? doesn't rock any harder than this. Yeah. Wow. So you really want the flowery want, version of Wildflowers. I want flowery mellow vibe. You want I flowers, think. comma, wild, not <laughs> wild flowers. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the psychedelic version where it's like flowers, wild. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're with that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. This to me is just this simple, again, simple, gentle song. Um, I love the flow from track to track under this one. Um, this song lyrically felt really mature again in the most positive way. Yeah. Um, I, I like <clears> this one <throat> lyrically quite a bit, especially now I, I, in the frame of now being, you know, an old man, um, <clears throat> I feel it in a Who very different way. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. way. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan of the song. I like it. Um, next song cabin down below. I think you've already hinted at the fact that you feel exactly the same as I do. Yeah. Uh, this can we is, cut this? We could cut this. This is the lighthearted rocker, blues rock, fine. No one is putting this song first on the record. Yeah. Who, who asked for this? <laughs> yeah. This This is like I'm in a cowboy bar and I'm looking for the exit. Let's go to the next song. <laughs> to find a friend. Everything changed. This one is Storyteller Tom Petty at his best. Uh, he has a few songs in his catalog um, where he does this. And I actually, on my listen last year, I uh, I went through and was like, oh, yeah. He has these songs sometimes where he goes through these like long scenarios and they're kind of like loose interconnected stories of characters, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't, oh, I should try. I, I completely, this isn't doing off the top of my head. Um, this one actually might be, it almost felt like a sequel to the other one. But anyways, uh, I love it. Um, it. It just feels like a folk record for kids who grew up spending half the week at 
you know, mom's house and then they'd see dad on the weekends. Sure. Like, like a generation of people who grew up on too much TV and their parents working bullshit jobs, but somehow never making enough money. Um, <laughs> this is the story of those parents as told by that generation um, and like their, their life. So I, I, I find the song really impacting. So well put. Yeah, no, I I'm with that. Uh, I don't have too much to add except for that. This is one that I didn't love the first time I heard it, but Mm -hmm. this is like a grower for me. Like the more I hear this song, the more I like it. It doesn't really hit you in the face like the other ones, but the build of it is really nice. It just like over time, this is, this is a great song. Yeah. If you're a 12 year old who doesn't have any friends, you like the song a lot. Um, (laughs) Next song, higher place. Um, so I think this is a great song. It's another kind of more along the lines of like a big room rocker, Mm -hmm. but it, it still has that like wildflowers or that flowers wild feel to it. Does this, is this the like actual median point between the more rock and material and the flowers? This is like the middle point. Yeah. Cause he's airy. It's like, you're getting the fluffy, like yellow cake, Tom Petty vocals. Where yep. it's the the softest version of what he does, um, yeah, it's a good upbeat song. It's light, it's fluffy. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I like it. I shouldn't say I'm fine with it. It's good. House in the woods. Um, kind of a bluesy refrain again. We're kind of going back to that side of the record. Uh the chorus is full of this like odd, weird energy. There's parts of the song that I love but I don't totally love the song like there's these magic moments in the song yeah. but otherwise it feels like it's cobbled together yeah this one um, it's somewhat catchy like sometimes when it was on I, I would be like yeah this is fine but mm-hmm. then other times I would be okay with skipping it it ultimately it drags for me and I mm-hmm. think ultimately I'd cut it it just kind of it's it's one of the few songs on this record that even the other songs that I don't love, I wouldn't necessarily cut them. It's just like I would want them in a different context. Yeah, except Cabin Down Below, we cut that. Song. Except Cabin Down Below, that one is a solid cut. Yeah. But this this one it's just it's just kind of meandering. Well, so what it does that you don't hear on the rest of this record at all. It, there's a couple songs like this in Tom Petty's catalog, but not many. Um, he does this it's almost like swarthy like um, sailor style like oh my love what can I do yeah (laughs) but love you (laughs) and so it's like this back and forth that you get you don't hear too much elsewhere and I like when it crescendos and crashes but then I don't get pulled back in on the verses so yeah um, like I said there's elements of this song that I like, but it doesn't to go back to ideas we've discussed in different episodes. It's a touch half baked, but, but it's at the dining, it's at the table. It's been sitting out for hours. You can't put this one back in the oven. Yeah. So you, you just go, "Mm, it's sweet. It's mushy, but it's sweet. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, crawling back to you, Bob, this is the best song on the record and it's not even close. It's a, great song it's not my favorite but it is in my top three okay 
Yeah, I mean, this song to me is like it's transcendent. It's 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 really good. Unbelievable. This is like if if this is all that Tom Petty wrote, wow, I'd, I'd, I'd be a huge fan. Oh, wow. I love this song. So to me, this feels vaguely like '80s era Petty in the choruses. Okay, but then it kind of marries that more folksy rock song that we got on the Flowers Wild side. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's darker moment again um despite that little flute flare at the beginning of the song if you <laughs> headphones listen you catch um i think this song shows that navigation between the bigger songs and then the quieter moments gracefully uh this song's awesome it's awesome it's awesome wake up time closer This one feels like uh, like this might have been one of the first songs Tom Petty. I, like I don't know this. You might know this from the thing. It feels like thematically not to the record, but like in the idea of what the, the concept of this record. This is this dude being like, no, this is my song. Here it is. I wrote it on piano. That's the way we're going to record it. Just yeah. me and my feelings, and here it is. It feels really emotionally open and. Here it is. It also feels like it's sort of like autobiographical in content and <sighs> reflective in a hmm. Is this good? Is this bad? What? Where am I at? You know, like gut check. Yeah. No, I like the lyrics a lot. Um, I kind of feel similarly to you. Um, I like a big closer. Yes. And this is a big closer. Yes. But at the same time, it it almost feels like shoehorned in there where it's like it was written for this record to be the closer. Yeah. Well, cause it almost feels like, like wildflowers clearly the opener was this clearly the closer. Yes. It, it absolutely doesn't land the same way that the opener does. Yeah. And so my, my verbatim note was I like the spirit of the song more than I like the song itself. Same. Like so. I'm not, I'm not putting this on intentionally. Yeah. But at the same time, like I'm not turning it off. I think it's a nice song. It's ultimately it, it is a nice song. It 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 does a great job as a closer. I just I feel like he could have taken a different direction and maybe it would have benefited. But I don't know, you know. Yeah, like crawling back to you doesn't totally feel like a closer. No. But is there a way you? No, I don't know. There's something. Crawling back to you is just a really good song, and it, it can't be the closer. I don't think. No. Yeah. It's I don't too. Know. It's too much. It's there's too much going on in that song to finish a record on. You'd feel like you, it feels like running up to the uh, the edge of a cliff and stopping. I and know. And it's like the yeah. screen goes black, and you're like, "Wait, what just happened? What happened?" Yeah. 
So I, I get to, it. I, I have to listen to like the five CD box set that they put out and see if there's a better closer on there Dude, somewhere. Playback, playback, man. It's really good. Oh, you're talking about the Wildflowers one. Yeah, the Wildflowers yeah, the, extended the, edition seems the, the really big odd. one that just came out. Yeah. Yeah, we gotta we gotta dive into that. Okay, that maybe we get that. Let's let's buy that with the Patreon that we don't have, <laughs> uh, but we'll get it and we'll do an extended version of this whole record. Yeah, someone send us fifty bucks and we'll buy it. <laughs> yeah, please, we'll get that. <laughs> All right, Pete. Um, I went through these factors with you, so why don't you go through them with me, and then we can kind of back and forth a little bit more. All right. So, is this record too long? Does it drag? It's not too long. Um, there's only a couple instances where it drags in the middle, in the meat of the B side, um, where it's more the context doesn't feel like it fits in the record. Um, Cabin Down Below and uh, Honey Bee, like we said, is a really good song, but doesn't totally fit on the record. So um, doesn't doesn't feel too long to me, even though I think it's like, a decently long record. I was going to say, Bob, you know how I know I, that you love this record? Why? Because this is over an hour. Yeah. I mean, I, you said that it's not too long. It's not too I mean, Pete, how many times have I listened to this record? A uh, hundred, 200. I don't know. A lot. Yeah. A, a lot. lot of times. A lot okay. of times. Fair enough. Most of those times were uh, in the 19, uh, you know, 1900s era um <laughs> pre-2000 but i i've never not liked or rode for this record so sure album flow does it feel disjointed or slapped together at all no only in its indulgences um okay just a few of those things where you can and you almost forgive them in that so there's a couple of tracks where you go mm, let me just pluck this out and pluck that out and just do the rest um so it's not disjointed. It seems like there's a central nervous system, if not a full spine. There's some. There's at least a conscious thread flowing throughout. Cool. Um, quality of the songs are there memorable lyrics? How do they? How does? How does this stand up against their comp- contemporaries? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, it's answer. Yes. It's a super memorable record, and I will compare it to Tom Petty's the rest of his catalog. I don't know that it's the best singular album he did, but it is right there. And for somebody who was, I don't know, is he not, was he 20 years into his career at this point? I think so. Easily, I think. Right? Yeah. Like this yeah, is 94. Just, or actually just about probably. Yeah, like yeah. 75 is I'm, I'm in the back of my head. I think that's yeah, when the first Heartbreakers right. material came out. Yeah. Um, 74, 75. Yeah. Yeah. So 20 years into his career, like this is outrageously relevant. And the fact that it was relevant that deep into his career is like hard Crazy. to, to wrap your head around. Yeah. So, so yes, uh, the highs are really, really high. Apparently. And another thing from the documentary, apparently he would talk to the band pretty regularly after this came out, you know, cause they, they were a band for what? uh 25 years after this came out yes um he would be like guys wildflowers was the best record we ever did like he was he was it seemed like based on you know what the heartbreakers members were saying in the documentary that he was pretty confident this is this was the best record yeah so um does this strictly exist in a time and place or does its influence spread much further 
I can't speak to influence on this because I don't know, but it's like clearly Tom Petty was a big deal. Yeah. Um, it feels timeless to me. I, I think that's one of the things I have to give Rick Rubin credit for is that there are Tom Petty records, the ones I cited, um, you know, most of the Heartbreakers 80s career, much like the Traveling Wilburys, feels very dated um, in production. And then even some of the song, uh, so even some of the way the songs sound and, and structures and how they put it together, especially the albums. Jesus, there's some throwaway stuff. Whereas yeah. like, if you go back to the 70s, some of those records feel just like on high octane. Um, Full Moon Fever is another record. It's not timeless, but it's really good. And you could have told me Full Moon Fever came out in 79, not 89, and uh, you could track that sonically. Sure. Um, so this feels like it's timeless. I don't know how influential it is outside of it being like one of these things that people now look back and go, holy shit, this is like, this was great. It is great. And maybe we weren't understanding its greatness until we had the the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, honestly, I was shocked at just like how excited people seemed about that reissue that came out last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the same time though, when I think about it, like I guess there was a lot of lore around this record because it had originally, it was supposed to be two CDs. Yeah. It was supposed to be like 25 songs. Yeah. yeah, It was going to be 25 songs. And I guess Petty played it to everyone and they were like, this is way too long. And he was like, I guess it's too long. So, um, I think they were right. But, um, yeah, so it's it's it was probably just one of those things where like nobody had ever heard the songs and they were waiting to hear those songs and now those songs are available. So and it's so interesting cool. because you wonder is this you know um double disc long records were a thing that were happening as as we've de- detailed on this on this podcast many times the CD era led to a lot of bloated records. Yeah. This record 62 minutes, I said it doesn't feel too long. Um, you did note a little too long, which you're not wrong. A little too long. There's records like, for example, Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, Infinite Sadness comes out, I don't know, within a year of this record. Talk about a record that's too long. <laughs> yeah. And it's a record. Uh, I, that record I, is way too long. Right. And there's stuff I like on there, but you want to talk about indulgent and like bloated. Oh my yeah. God. Like. Yo, halfway through disc two, there's a couple really good Smashing Pumpkins songs that are completely buried because I'm you sure. have to sift through so much nonsense. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder if it if that stuff was starting to play in where people are like, oh, like, Yo, Tom, it, you it, got a great thing here. Let's just chew the fat. But I also am pretty confident. Like, I would, I'm excited to dig into that reissue because, um, no, I'm sure there's I a like lot the there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it, it's it's funny. Like, this is my last mention of the documentary, but you know, he mentions that everyone that he played it for basically was like, "Hey, this is too long. You need to cut it." Mm-hmm. But he then says, "You know, if I had done a double disc, it would have cost a lot of money, mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know, I didn't want people having to like shell out a ton of dough to like buy a double disc." Which I thought was so it's, it's such an interesting perspective because he's not even taking like the the bloat into consideration. He's just thinking like you know my average Joe fan on the street yeah will have to pay thirty dollars for this rather than like fifteen dollars or whatever. Yep. And uh, 
That's interesting. Cause I do remember like that being a thing. Like when that smashing pumpkins came out, yeah. I was like, damn double disc 30 bucks. Like that's a lot of money. Yo, you know? When it came out, that was like, I, I had put money away and I remember being like, Oh, twenty eight ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here it yeah. goes. You know, <laughs> I know. Uh, um, and now okay. you can find it in every used penny, bin. <laughs> like used bin in the country. So yes. everyone just wait 30 years and yeah, it'll you come can get to it you. for free. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and presentation right. artwork. Um, yeah. yeah presentation I, I, lo- artwork, I love sorry. the album art. I think it really fits. And it's again, one of those things where it's this stripped down thing that feels both so, so much Tom Petty but if you look at his record up to that point, that's not like the energy he was totally given off. You know what I mean? Like if you look at the albums and all that, but it somehow was perfect. So maybe maybe yeah. his best album art. I don't know. Damn the Torpedoes and Full Moon Fever are great looking records too. So Yeah. All right. Are you adding it to your personal collection? Yeah, I will be adding the Wildflowers box set as soon as we get those uh, checks in the mail. Yeah, if I get fifty bucks, I'll I'll definitely buy it. But I think I'll probably buy the vinyl reissue regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The vinyl reissue is like forty bucks, so that's perfect. Cool. Um, Pete, what are you going to give this on a rating out of five stars? Jeez, um, this is really strong overall, and I think that I definitely like this more than any Petty record that I've heard as mm. as a whole. Oh, that's cool. Because I wasn't sure how you were going to feel when. No, when I mean, ultimately, I like it a lot. It's just it's it's long, and I and yeah. I feel like there are songs here that hint at the petty that I don't mind. Again, like I don't mm-hmm. I don't really dislike any petty that I've heard. Yeah, it's just that it just doesn't grab me. Like I don't want to go you. all that much deeper. So, um, God, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a three point five only because, um. The highs are so high, but I just feel like had it had they removed a few songs and had it kind of had a a more consistent vibe throughout, it could have been like it could have been a five, but it's not. Yeah, this is a four point five for me, and it's and then it gets the half heart to be a full five. But um, fair four point five stars. Um, trying to be as objective as I can be uh, despite acknowledging my inability therein. Um, Cabin Down Below uh, takes it down a little bit. Honey Bee, good song. Cool yeah. song. Takes it down a little bit. Um, yeah, otherwise I think it's really close to perfect and I know that my nostalgia and long time appreciation is impacting my view. That said, I still think it is a great place for someone to start with Tom Petty if they are unfamiliar. Absolutely. Well, Pete, it's hard to find a friend, but everyone knows where to find us because we already did our housekeeping. Um, Any wise words to impart on the people before we let them go? Listen to this record. Have a nice time. Good night. Los Angeles 